Hey, everybody, before we kick off today's episode, I'd just like to remind you all about the podcast awards. Nothing Off Limits is listed in the education category, and I invite you to come and vote for me to win an award. Just go to podcastawards.com, register as a listener, and vote. It's that simple. Um, You have until July 31st to help me out, and I absolutely appreciate your votes. And now, on to the show. Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. You know, recently, a friend of mine texted me and was like, hey, do you know your Myers-Briggs type? And I was like, mm, I think I do. I don't know. I think it has a J in it or something, but I couldn't remember. So I went online. I took the free test. It takes like 10 minutes. And I found out what my type was, which by the way, is the same as Oprah's. But anyway, I started to dig deeper. I started to notice that people use their Myers-Briggs type on their dating profiles, not only for new jobs, but I mean, all kinds of situations. So I found today's guest through my research, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. His name is Daniel Spies. Daniel's a dating and relationship coach. He focuses on intimacy and communication. He uses results-based coaching and the use of MBTIs as he helps both singles and couples bring personal awareness and accountability to their world of romance. You can find him on YouTube. He's got a ton of content. That's actually where I found him. Instagram and on his website, danielspiescoaching.as.me. I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes so that you can connect with him online. No further ado. Welcome, Daniel. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Let's teach people something. I want to learn something too. <laughs> sure. Let's yeah, do so it. let's start with you. Um, what tell us more about your coaching and and how you got into specifically the Myers Briggs piece of it. Um, to be honest, I got into Myers Briggs and psychology at a really young age. Um, I kind of just grew up in an environment where I needed to understand everything. And that just kind of carried over into my adult life. Um, I would say somewhere around my my pre-college years, I was just kind of really, I wanted to know what I wanted to do. And I know I just didn't want to be a, a regular psychologist. I didn't want to have an office. Um, I wanted to have kind of like a free workflow kind of environment. And I just didn't know where to put myself. Um, and then I just Google searched the word uh, intuition one day because I thought to myself, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm kind of intuitive, you know, like. I just want to look this up. And then one thing led to another. I, I managed to get onto the MBTI Wikipedia. And then from there, I just, you know, edu- you know, research ahoy, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's funny how that happens. It happens to me too, especially on LinkedIn. Like yeah. I'll go to look for someone and then I like, I go down the rabbit hole of LinkedIn. The rabbit hole of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. It's hard. You know, you have to like refocus yourself, but it's actually awesome as well because that led you to doing what you do, which is pretty cool. I definitely love it. All right. So tell us more. What is the Myers-Briggs type indicator and why is it important for us to even be talking about this? So I think the MBTI and, and other related theories like it are, are important because it brings about one thing that a lot of people need in the beginning stages of whether whether you're going to be in a relationship, whether you're going to be dating, whether it's a work environment or career, uh, career choices, whatever. There's, there's a lot of you know utility-based um, things you can use it for. 
Uh, it's personal awareness is is probably one of the biggest things for me while while utilizing it. You know, I don't normally use it like in the later stages of working with somebody, but in the awareness stage of of what you're working with, strengths and weaknesses of of your personality, temperaments, uh, what you're used to doing. You know, what are your you know what you value, what your desires are, what you usually do, how you usually think. Um, these are all really important things when you know you're approaching the dating and relationship atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, not just even considering it, you know, in, you know, in terms of like, uh, your life balance, right. You know, what's yeah. healthy for you versus what's healthy for somebody else, how you get energy versus how somebody else gets energy. Um, you know, it kind of really dives deep, um, in some ways. So can't I just read my horoscope? <laughs> you could, you could, but it's, it's not, it's not based. I mean, I like horoscopes, you know, in terms of like, just, oh, cool. I'm an Aries, but uh, aside from that, I know there's, there's really no um, correlating, I guess, facts that go with it, whereas MBTI, you know, there's varying, I mean, everybody's different, right? Uh, but the way that I see MBTI, you can use it as a loose as a loose way of kind of seeing the direction in which someone operates their life. And I see it in more of an operation sense. Um, there are people who are trying to uh, legitimize and validate and, you know, that's a whole other uh, conversation. But there are some correlations with with certain types, and you know, you know, off the drop of maybe ten questions in of talking to somebody, you know, I can I can narrow it down pretty pretty quickly, I guess. So it's scientific in its approach, is what you're saying? Is like yeah, like I think one of the biggest misconceptions of MBTI is that it's it's about personality, but the personality, the the type, quote unquote, is actually shorthand for functionality, mm. and there's no such thing in personal as personality in MBTI because it's all based off of your your function, your your main ways of of thinking, not who you are as a person. Ah, right? and there okay. are other theories for those kinds of approaches, but for MBTI, it's actually just strictly you know how does your functionality correlate with your everyday life? Mm-hmm. What, what I've seen. Yeah, I'm getting more and more aware of my own functioning <laughs> as yeah. I grow older. I, but I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so how do how do you break it down? Because I know when I got my final result, it was four letters. And for people right. who have never seen this before, who are listening yeah, like, to us, they're what like, the "What the hell is this?" Yeah. yeah, can you just like break it down into these four functions as you're talking about? Yeah. So there's there's going to be four letters. I think that to typically everybody's going to see, you're going to see the E or the I for the extroverted or intuition, uh, extroverted or in, uh, introversion. That's just if you're outgoing or you're not outgoing. Um, again, it's not, nothing's bad here, right? It's just how you, how you are. Um, then you have the S or N, which is sensing or intuition. Then you have thinking or feeling, which is the T or the F. And then you have the J or the P, which is the judging or the perceiving. These are like on the surface, this is like an on the surface acronym of how somebody is typically going to be right underneath this acronym of four letters, you're going to have eight functions. And I know that's probably a lot to swallow. So just bear with me, but there's under each letter, not under each letter, just in general, you know, it's something called the cognitive functions. And so when you get, when you dive deeper into MBTI, um, there's eight functions. There's the four, right? There's sensing, thinking, um, feeling and intuition. And they all have an augmented introversion or extroversion version mm. of one the one function. So you can either be a, a introverted intuitor or an extroverted intuitor. Interesting. So yeah, so it gets super psychology e. 
Right. And so like, I guess like a way to see it is, you know, if you're an ENFJ like Oprah, right, you're getting the wisdom from within versus me, who's an ENFP, I'm getting the wisdom from collected data of patterns from the outside world. Uh So, yeah. Can they change? Can they, can you evolve as a person or are they set in stone? They're set in stone. And the best way that I'd like to give an example of it is if anybody's ever illegally downloaded like programs off of like LimeWire or um, downloaded anything like sequentially, right? If you imagine your four for your three or four first functions, right? So we'll just take your example, uh, you know, because you're an ENFJ, right? I believe you said so. Yeah. Right. Uh, so your first function is extroverted feeling, right? Your second function is introverted intuition. Uh, your third function is uh, extroverted sensing and then introverted thinking. So what, what that's going to look like, right, is we all focus on the first three functions and then the fourth one goes dormant, right? Uh, and so what happens sequentially as we get older, we start off using the first two, right, interchangeably, and we start using the three, the, the first three, and then I guess later, later in life, maybe like 40s, 50s, you may not even develop these functions because it really depends on who you are as a person, but eventually you get to learn how to utilize most of the functions that you have because you have all, you have eight functions that most of, most of them you don't even see in the light of day, right? So you only operate with some that you really value. Uh, so the idea is that you learn to coexist with life with the first three and then interchangeably the other ones, I mean, you can kind of, uh, I guess, get a sense for how it operates in your life. Like, I guess, so you can say my, my fourth function is, you know, uh, introverted sensing. And so, so sometimes I'll catch myself looking through, uh, I guess, photographs of the past and reminiscing on the past sometimes. And it's very seldom. It, it doesn't happen too often, but um, it's kind of not really in my mental existence. It's kind of like on the border. Mm. And so everybody kind of has these kinds of functions that express in in life in different ways, right? Um, You know, some people may have, you know, uh, extroverted sensing as their fourth function down the row of eight, and it's just out of the cusp again. And so you may not be very uh, alert and observant in your in your environment, right? You, you might be one of those people who's an INFJ, who's an introverted version of yourself, actually, um, who is just all spaced out, thinking in their head in the clouds, right? Um, not, really, not really aware. And so, I, know, I know a lot of those kinds of people. <laughs> yeah. And space cadets. Space, and there's all different kinds of space cadets, you know, and... I think that's the beauty of it all. It's it's all very flexible. It's all very dynamic. And but your type can't change. So it's set in stone and that's it. But the, but it can, but that final letter might fluctuate as you age. Is that what you're saying? So every every type of the 16 has eight that goes technically in order, quote unquote, right? And so not everybody's going to meet the, the norm. Every I believe everybody's an outlier and and functions in different ways you know technically an ENFJ has eight type you know eight functions that go in a particular order right as much as every other type would, uh, will and um, the first three everybody should focus on and or the first four maybe and just kind of think about how you operate with the rest of them right and you can you can look that up you can google cognitive functions and Mm-hmm. Get more info on that stuff. Yeah, I'm already getting lost. Yeah. I'm like, what? Eight, Eight this, sixteen, what? The main, all I 
Yeah, all I care about are like those four letters. Like, like, right. And so can you tell us more, like just focusing on these like final types, right? So if somebody that's out there listening goes online, takes this 10, 15 minute test, whatever it takes them to get it done, and they get their final type. If you could give us the most common types, like the general population, what you, you know, what you found in your research and what, what kind of people they are based on this, this test. That would be, I think that would be interesting. The, the, the majority of the population as it stands right now um, are sensors. Um, they're going to be people who are focused on the external environment, less on the, less on the um, intuitive, more underneath the surface environments uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, context. You know, there's, I mean, if you look at the world that we live in today, you know, who Selfies. Builds yeah. Who builds the world and, and who runs it, right? And, and. Uh, who is going to be the salesmen and who's going to be the executives, who's going to be the plumbers and the fire, you know, the firefighters, right? All these kind of uh, translate in, in some way, shape or form to, you know, what MBTI type there. And they usually will correlate, you know, people who are usually more hands-on are going to be sensors, you know? Um, sometimes, you know, there's outliers obviously, but more often than not, you can see that there are correlations with job, job functions and careers mm-hmm. with people's MBTI. And it, it really goes based off of what makes you happy, what's purposeful to you yeah. and you know, what, what comes, comes off really easy. It fascinates me that they could get the functionalities, right, of what you'd be good at with your job, how you operate in relationships, how you process information, all of that kind of stuff by just a small set of questions. How the hell did they choose what questions to ask and know that this was going to give them the right data? Like, that just seems crazy to me. It's Hey, listen, that's a, it's a good question that, that I would ask myself as well. I don't have the answer to that, but the way that I would see it is – you know, every question, every question they ask is geared towards maybe a particular area of, of a function. Right. Um, and you know, this so give us an example. All right. Well, I mean, let's say, um, I mean, I guess a question I can, I can ask you, right. Is if, if I was trying to see if you were an ENFJ, which you know you are, but let's just say we don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. I can ask you, uh, how do you typically operate in your, in, in your environment? Are you trying to, put a particular energy out into your environment in terms of feelings? Or are you trying to just kind of perceive your environment in a way that doesn't change it, right? Are you looking to change the environment? Are you looking with your feelings or are you looking to leave it be, right? Or mm. you can say, would you rather express your feelings or would you rather, or do you see yourself not wanting to express your feelings because you don't think feelings should be. Oh, I definitely express my feelings. <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> like at all yeah. times. Typically, um, the, di- the big difference between people who, uh, who favor extroverted feeling, which is what you prefer, and introverted feeling, which is what I prefer, is that I don't really believe that feeling should be expressed fundamentally. I believe that it, it, there's a magic behind just two people not be, like not needing to express it versus you know, someone like yourself who would want to express that because then that's being put into the environment people are knowing and people are knowing how to communicate better with you, right? You're, mm-hmm. creating, you're creating like a synapse with the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so 
Well, I was just going to say this is like a perfect segue yeah. uh, to talking about how you bring different types together into not just work environments to see if two people could function well at work and be complementary to each other, but also in dating, which is primarily what I want to focus on here. Um, can you give us some examples of what works best together? Because if I'm an expressive person and I need to, you know, talk about what I'm feeling, but I'm dating or working with somebody who doesn't express, that's going to frustrate the shit out of me. Right. And so the way that I see uh, how, how uh, types can go hand in hand or not go hand in hand is you have to remember that anything can work. I don't believe that any type coupling is always going to be the best match because it's up to that person to explore what works best for them in a, in a healthy, balanced way. You know, maybe by the book type couplings might not work for one person the other it will. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it can be complimentary, you know, like you could say that um, an opposite pairing for you could be uh, an, an ISTP, which is your functions, right. But reversed from eight to one, and so, or so not from eight to one. So like your, your last, your fourth function, right. Which is, it should be, you know, introverted thinking. Um, the ISTP's first function is that. And so um, you, what you would see in that kind of relationship is like opposites in the first four. And so what you're, how you, how you normally, inter, you know, operate within the world is how he would operate less in the world as a kind of crutch as a, as a really hard point to do. Mm -hmm. uh, because that means that would mean his extroverted feeling is, is his last function. And so what you have there is a complimentary of, you know, what I suck in, he's great at and what he's great at, I, you know, there just could be good. That's like yeah. yin and yang. It is. And so there's different kinds of ways that types within this theory can, can, uh, coexist like that. Um, mm -hmm. There's different kinds of ways that you know types operate with you know with one another. Uh, but the the main point, I guess, I would say is not all types, um, not all these kinds of really beautiful connections, like in terms of type to type, will work for everybody. Everybody has different desires and preferences, and you know maybe you know maybe the next ENFJ I talk to says you know what I don't want you know a, a a partner of mine to communicate I like the fact that there is some mystery because it keeps me thinking right so there are variables like just because you you got your final type doesn't mean that that's set in stone right now it's a good starting point though you can you can say to yourself great now I know I'm an ENFJ let me go see the different types that are within my value set right mm. INFPs ENFPs INFJs and then let me go explore ones that have the same functions that I share but are in different value uh, quadrants right like the ISTP the ESTP um, you know, the, the INTJ, right? And so you get to explore. Once you start mapping yourself on here and mapping others, uh, you may be able to kind of make better decisions going forward. And that's the whole idea. It's to yeah. get progress. So I find it interesting. A lot of people are listing their, their MBTI on their dating profile. And so if you do a little research as to like which types are best matches for you after you get your own type, then you can just pass up that profile where you're like, Ooh, I know we're not going to get along. Or in your opinion, do you think you should give it a chance? Listen, you can always give it a chance. And, you know, like that's my golden rule. Like I just mentioned, you know, any type can get along and you don't know per se until you open that, that box, right. Who, which is that person. Um, you know, in my experience, like I, I'm not going to lie, I have a, I have a Bumble profile and I'm still dating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
And I have it, I have it right at the, the first acronym right on my profile. I'm an ENFP, you know? Yeah. If somebody's serious and they look up the profile, they'll more or less kind of get a, a glimpse of, of who I am. But that's not going to be totally who I am, you know, because I am my own person and I have my own life and I'm more than my thoughts, right? So like on the first date with someone, are you like, all right, I need you to take this test and come back and report to me? <laughs> no, I mean, listen, there's got to be free flow to it. You know, it's a good conversation starter. You know, it's nice to know that if somebody's also equal, like, oh, cool. Like, what is that? And like, how, how are you? And you know, you bring it up like, that's great. You know, you don't want to get too crazy with this stuff, right? You know, in mm. terms of, because again, it's just a small portion. It's more in the, in the, it's a guideline. It's a really good guideline. It's a really good compatibility factor. And it's a really good, um, I guess, tool, like once you're actually in a relationship to kind of really work with the person you're with, right? Mm-hmm. Because you would be with that person technically for a long time at that point. Yeah. But it's just a good guideline in the beginning. It's okay. It's okay. Cool. Like this is who I am. This is who you are. And like, let's just see if it works, you know? Yeah. And it it helps you get like a little insight so you can understand why somebody might be doing something or acting a certain way. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, because it's like if you're not if you're an extrovert like me and you're not getting an answer, like my tendency is to be like, what the hell just happened? Like, why am I not getting a response about this? But if you know that person's type and you know, okay, they're processing, it's going to take them a minute to like get to a point where they're ready to communicate. Yeah. Then it's easier to deal with and to and to understand and to, you know, and then I can go back to whatever I was doing and not worry about it. Absolutely. And and that's the way that I use MBTI if I even do so. And in my in my coaching, it's it's strictly for communication and building intimacy and, and showing and really skill building with, with who I'm working with. Because mm-hmm. the more the person knows about themselves and about others, the, the easier bridging these communication barriers is going to be. Totally. I mean, I have to say, I think companies who make you take one of these, is it's good. If you know what your team is all about and the makeup of your team, then it helps with communications on projects or whatever you're doing with clients. Yeah. You know? So I have a question. What, what if two people are the same exact type? Is there going to be like butting of heads, locking of horns, zero growth potential? Is it just going to be ugly? It's so it really depends on the person. But what I what I would say is it's actually going to be not that it's actually going to be a positive experience for the most part. If you're if if you have two people who are in a balanced place who who prefer the same uh, type, let's just say ENFJ and ENFJ, you're going to get a lot of the same frequency. You know, this person, two people thinking very similarly, um, but, you know, maybe slightly different ways. But what Mm -hmm. you will have are people who also have the same challenges right? Uh, Communication, whether it be in life, whether it be in taking care of themselves, they're going to kind of have the same, you know, difficulties and it may work and it may not work. And you may just say, Hey, like we both struggle in the same way, but we're going to want to make it work. Or you might say, you know, I need somebody who can compliment me in X, Y, and Z ways. Right. What happens a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of, when you have two types that, go go or that are the same you have familiarity and a lot of people like familiar and a lot of people like you know the exact opposite right yeah i mean for me i like growth and i like to i feel like relationships are meant to teach you something and to kind of put a mirror on yourself in a, in a way where it's like you see more about how you are behaving when somebody's different from you you know yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's, that's my opinion yeah um 
I'm sitting here Googling famous ENFJs, and uh, Johnny Depp is one. <laughs> I think so. he's. I honestly think he's an INFP. I think really. Some, yeah, he's. I think he's an INFP. He's definitely he's an actor type. Um, he's definitely got that artsy vibe. A lot of INFPs correlate with being artsy. Uh, what about Bono? He's listed too. He. I don't know. He might be an ENFJ. I think he's more because he's more about expression, expressing. Right. He's a singer. Yeah. He's putting yeah. his vibes out into the well, world. Well, Johnny Depp is expressive through his acting. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, even if you're an introvert, you can still express, right? Like the quadrant yeah. of intuitive feelers in general, the NFs, the NF quadrant, right? They all actually are very uh, – they correlate a lot with actors. You know, ENFP could be an actor. I could have been an actor. Um, it just, you know, it didn't fit me at the time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could still do it later on. Yeah, we all fall under that 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 option to be uh, to be actors, I guess. If yeah, I mean, musicians, you know. So, are there situations that come into your your office, like when you're coaching your clients, where you know, after knowing the MBTIs, you're like, this is not going to work out, <laughs> or are you still kind of keeping that open mind that there are outliers and that this may be able to be worked out? in terms of working with somebody yeah let's like say it's a, a couple um, so what i would do then is i mean there's i like to keep a lot of transparency when i work with couples um if there's something that they that they should know that i notice you know then that's that's a perception that they should that they're that they're owed right because they, they they're coming to me mm -hmm. for for clarity and part of clarity comes with new information and so if I'm noticing something that, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing this to the table, you're bringing that to the table, and this is how that energy is looking from the outside, yeah. you know, it may, it may give them a different way of seeing things, you know, and yeah. that's, that's why I coach is to bring a different way of seeing things to somebody else. Yeah. Do you have an example or like a case study, keeping your client anonymous, of course, of like a situation where they were butting heads about something typical couple stuff, whether it's money or sex or career choices, whatever. And you used the MBTIs and gave them awareness of their the way that they're functioning and, and approaching this problem to help them work through it. Yeah. So um, I look. I work with a lot of dudes. Uh, go figure, right? Uh, <laughs> and um, at least you're not a pickup artist. No. No. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in that, that practice. It's for some people, not for, not for me. Um, but there's this one guy I worked with and, uh, he, he was trying to get out of the friend zone, which is a hard place to get out of. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, his, his type was INFP, which is pretty much the epitome of the, you know, the, the guitarist, you know, the serenader, like very soft, very gentle kind of guy, you know, very artsy. Um, and he was, you know, and he was trying to, you know, make moves on this best friend of his and, you know, what in his personality type, he's pretty much uh, not really about making moves and creating actions and, um, and, and, and being a certain kind of way that would provoke that, right? Because some types are more prone to creating conflict in different ways, positive, negative just in terms of actions, right? Mm -hmm. um, versus like somebody like an ESTP is all is like an aggressor type, just all about you know conflict and challenge. And so you know, I mm, told, I've dated some of those. Yeah, and so I had told this this uh, young man, I said, you know, the best way to to get out of the 
the friend zone in which you're at based off of kind of how you are, not necessarily about MBTI, but just him in general, you know, you have to, you have to ask yourself, um, how, how your normal mode of being is around her versus how somebody who likes her and is with her is going to be right. Cause if you like somebody and if the other person knows that you like them and you're just going to be a different kind of way, right. Yeah. That, you know, that open up, that opens up the can of worms, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a different kind of dynamic versus the dynamic of friends. And I said, don't be friends around her. Right. And I'm like, just subtly just start changing. Right. In a way that's not going to obviously offset everything, but be a little, be a little romantic. I know it's, you know, he's totally, this guy's a total romantic. Like, just be the romantic that you want to be and pretend that there's a bridge that will connect you to the other side, but you got to build that bridge as you go. Mm-hmm. He did. He actually ended up, he ended up making like this very, I told him, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to create like a very dramatic, you know, surprising gesture and like, you know, bring her somewhere and just like kiss her or do your own thing, but just surprise her with some kind of affection and that kind of just finished the bridge in his in his little story, and now they've been together ever since. That's nice. I love that fairy tale ending. What can people do though in this situation? Since we're talking about somebody who's been friend zoned, and let's say the other person is like, "No thanks, I enjoy being your friend." Like you have to also, I imagine, you coach your clients to like not go in with the expectation that they're going to win. Right. Yeah. And so what I like to the 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 con the, the perception or the philosophy that I go in with myself and with my clients because I I personally believe in this philosophy is you know you can't you can't control the world you can only control yourself and you have to you have to navigate with your best interests and so if you like somebody whether you're a guy or a girl and you know you got you get a rejection letter you know it's totally fine we just got to move on and so you have to ask yourself is it worth this much to 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 be friends with this person or should I put my energy and time into actually finding that person, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't too long ago that I actually told somebody, I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just not interested in being friends right now. I'm, I'm looking right. Yeah. You know, there's just a, a, a general kind of like, Oh, okay. And you know, it's, you move yeah, that's on. like vag blocking. Like yeah. if you have someone around you, like I used to always say, like, like my guy friends, like they're cock blocking me yeah. unintentionally right. just by being around. Like people assumed that it was my boyfriend or whatever. Right. And so I, I understand your your stance on that. It should be like, yeah, let's just chill that out because I want to be made available and I got to get you out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just you owe it to yourself, whether you're a guy or a girl, to, to not have your time wasted, you know, and to realize yeah. Environment, the social environment that you're creating for yourself because your social environment is a direct reflection of, of how you are being right. And if you have, mm-hmm. if you're an ENFJ surrounded by guys, which is very typical, you know, that could be a common issue that you have. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. Everybody. Yeah. That's funny that that's a common thing because I didn't know that. And I, I was thinking, I was like, I do tend to have a lot of guy friends. You should, you should create a segment that, that, that is literally called now, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to change that. Um, But yeah, what the hell? Now that all makes sense. (laughs) So um, tell us more about like, do you have you ever, I know you work with a lot of dudes, but have you ever worked with a couple that came to you and was like, ah, we're we're hitting a roadblock here. We need you, Daniel. Yeah. um, And so I don't just uh, integrate, you know, MBTI and theories in my, in in my practice. You know, I, I kind of take from a whole bunch of different things that I think are really relevant, but yeah, you know, I, sometimes I work with couples and they come with me mostly for communication problems and mostly in, 
you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate. You know, people tend to seek out help when it's kind of like too late. Yeah. Aren't and sometimes you can bring it back to life. You know, it's not your response. It's not my responsibility to bring it back to life, but it's my responsibility to just kind of show them where they are and like, all right, cool. Well, you brought me this bag of whatever this is. And now this is what that is outside the bag. Right. Um, and, you know, sometimes you don't have the best story. Sometimes you have people who realize that, you know, it's, it's over and they needed somebody to really kind of show them that it was over. Yeah. Right. So at what point in your relationship do you recommend people start therapy? <laughs> honestly, like, yeah, like first date, like, hey, let's go to the therapist. <laughs> honestly, I just believe in preventative. You know, if you're going to go to your doctor once a year to make sure everything's good and you get your scans and you get your tests, why wouldn't you want to go to, you know, a coach or, or not maybe a therapist, maybe a counselor and just yeah. make sure that all the all the checks are checked off. Like, why not? Yeah. Have an intermediary actually kind of go through with you and audit, you know, because a lot of my job is kind of just auditing in that sense and making yeah. sure that, you know, okay, just to make sure. So you guys know, like everything's pretty much checked off except this one little thing here at the bottom, you know, and we should probably talk about that. That's pretty empowering because then you sort of know it off the bat and then you can decide if you still want to dive in and work through that or not. Yeah. You know, so are there certain types that are just like automatically more sexually attracted versus, you know, having an intellectual connection? I imagine that all starts to go back to all those functionality pieces. It does. And, and some types are, are drawn more than others to to. I mean, in general, I think people are attracted to others who are more intellectual. I mean, we can get into correlations all day, but I, I believe that everybody, again, is going to be different and not every type is going to be the same. They're, they're probably going to be, you know, we'll, we'll just say this, for example, there can be every ENFJ in the world, like yourself, that, that span across different IQ, you know, intelligent quotients, right? So you can have an ENFJ, an IQ of 90 or 80 or 70 or 140 or 150, or that, that one uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson dude who's an ENFJ, but he's a scientist, you know, and he's really, really smart, mm -hmm. but, he, but he likes science. And so, you know, it's it's going to differ, you know, de depending on the person, depending on what they like. Yeah. Well, I think the lack of awareness in that is going to make you con continue to go through patterns where it's like you're going to constantly attract the same type and you're not going to understand why it's not working out. And yeah. I think that's where I've been. And so now whoever I date needs to take this fucking test. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, just start off with, with the, the, the first three or four uh, pairings that make the most sense. Yeah. Uh, go yeah. from there. That's why like, you, sorry, man. Like, <laughs> like start, just start off with the basics, you know, like don't start off with exact opposites and, and, and people in quadrants that don't have similar values. That's where people really start to get your know, butt heads. Yeah. And when you're butting head with somebody, odds are they're not, in your, you're, they're not going to value. They're not in like the same value quadrant as you. Um, they're not going to be a type that sees eye to eye in anything. We're always going to have those people in our lives. But at the end of the day, it's about the communication. Again, they're probably going to be really best friends, maybe, if that. Mm -hmm. want to seek out what's relevant to you, you know. And, and that's kind of – that's just instinct as it, as it has been. You know, you want to be around people and be with others who who can connect and vibe with you and, and, and build – and have, like, a really strong just communication from the get-go. Yeah. Or be willing to accept, like, things that you do that may be opposite of what they would do. Because yeah. I, I have friends in my life who get pissed that I do certain things and they don't understand why I've done it or that I haven't done enough or whatever. And that gets on my nerves because I'm like, are you kidding me? And, I can't, yeah. You know? 
I'm not going to do everything that you expect me to do. Like I'm my own person. It's frustrating. It's it's frustrating, especially when you have a, a majority of population of of a population that doesn't know how to express and translate the communication, right? And that's the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. And in my in my interpersonal friendships and relationships, and I just I have no, I tend to have no issues with that because I can normally kind of coin it in a way that kind of translates and and gets most of the content over what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, everybody has different keywords that they use in their head and different experiences. So it's nice to know these things. So that way you can, you can communicate better in general. Totally. Totally. I think the, the whole like world right now is becoming more conscious and willing to understanding the importance of communication and whoever's not is going to struggle and um, so, so I love this kind of stuff because it's just one more tool in the arsenal of living on this planet. <laughs> it's, the, the biggest thing I, when I run to people like on this street, I go, okay, cool. Like, you know, when we, and we, and we kind of talk up a, a conversation, whether it's a friend or a coworker or somebody, I go, okay, cool. If you want to start dating somebody, you know, personality theory, MBTI, the five love languages, you know, oh, yeah. that was like basic stuff. And then from there, like, it just gives so much off the bat to the other person. Like, Oh wow. Like this is what this person needs to feel loved. And this is how this person communicates. And this is how they think where else more do you need? Like, and if people mm-hmm. just have those starting building blocks, then they're way better off long-term wise than anything else. Uh, you know, statistically, I think I, I was reading a study the other day where we we're getting, we're getting so much more research based as not just millennials, but in general, people are getting more research based not just for buying cars and purchasing different items, but with their, their dating life as well. And with opportunity comes research and, and making sure that when you finally do make a choice, that it's the choice that people want. And so we're like most people now in dating are in research mode, you know, given these, given the technology, right. And it's very interesting how people are going about it, but I think people can go about it way more efficiently if they, they knew what they were researching and, and knew what was best for them. Yeah. Yeah. Stop wasting your time, people. <laughs> yeah. Stop swiping and swipe swipe more intelligently. I like that. So if somebody doesn't have a Myers Briggs type on their profile but you're attracted to them, give it a whirl and see what happens. Um, but don't waste too much time. If you start butting heads on things, if you start seeing that there's no matchup in values, I mean at that point it might be pretty uh, obvious um, that it's time to take the test. <laughs> yeah. I've had guys in the past who would totally resist taking the love languages test. Really? And I would, yeah. And it really bothered me because I was like, aren't you curious about this? Like we express differently, like clearly, like we already yeah, started it, to notice that it wasn't working. And I was like, I think this will help us. No, I'm not doing that. Honestly, it's a good showcase of, of, of how, of how vested they are, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's just how I see it. I mean, if, you know, personal, I would say relationship growth is a really important factor of relationships. You know, like you're your own person, the other person is their own person and you're building this thing together. And it's like, you know, you need, would you like strong lumber for the house you're building or do you want twigs to, to build your house? Right. And some people, I guess, just don't know how, or I've never learned how to, um, you know, actually progress within a relationship. Yeah. Which just is, exist. Nobody yeah. wants to just exist. 
And people need to understand how hard work, how much hard work is involved in building a relationship. I mean, it's not just about knowing your type indicator or, or taking the love languages test or whatever. It's it's it goes beyond that because, like you said, there are all these variables that come into play, and yeah. so it just it takes work and effort. And so, if you really want it, then you should be willing to to do what it takes to make it work. And that's why I I coined myself as the two biggest things that are needed in a relationship, which is intimacy and communication. Without both of those, you know, it's going to be short lived. Yeah, totally. So it can't just be about the sex. (laughs) No, it can't be about that. Can't be just about that. So only go so far. Yeah, exactly. That gets old after a while. Um, So before we wrap, um, how can people expect the sessions to go with you if they reach out to you? Do you do it by Skype or what? I do it. I can do video. uh, I got most of mine are through phone calls. Uh, Most coaches do phone calls Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, anybody could just reach out to me and say, hey, do you want to work? You know, it's going to be hard to to fly to L.A. for a session, you know, unless it's it's Bono, you know, of course. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I do I do mostly phone calls. I do I'm totally comfortable with video chat. Sometimes it's better because then I get to read the person visually, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, typically there's just kind of like you know a little Q and A before just to make sure it's a good fit. You know, there's there's a lot of awareness building once we start, and you know it's all goal oriented. Um, you know, it's it's what you want to achieve. It's what you want to build on. It's you know you have a goal that you're trying to get to whether it's to not be single or to either learn how to communicate better or maybe it's to even learn how to express yourself and 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 learn how to be intimate or learn Mm -hmm. how to trust or learn how to be um you know how how to love or you know there's a lot of different things that people like to work on um and i would just say you know awareness is a big part and results is is an even bigger part you know we're not you know this isn't like a counseling office where where you're just going to stop in for your daily gas for your car Mm. and get your fill and leave it's not going to be like church where you get your energy and then you're 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 set for the week you know i'm trying to set the precursors for a very long-term thing and with that you need equal accountability on on the client's end so come accountable uh, come, come looking to make some change and, and have some goals in mind. Yep. Be ready, people. Yeah. Be yeah. ready. Um, is it like three-month packages, six-month packages, or just ongoing? Listen, the, the more committed you are, the better. Usually it's three or six months. You can do a year as well if, if, you, if you think we're really going to work together <laughs> hand in yeah. hand. That's even, that's even better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, three and six months is usually a pretty good time to, to, to work on a goal. Awesome. Daniel, it was such a pleasure to have you on. Um, we should so come much. up with some more like uh, crazier topics regarding this right with dating and stuff um i think it'll be fun and i would love to have you back um in the meantime everybody out there listening please go to the show notes and click on the links to connect to daniel on his youtube instagram and his website if you want to get some coaching sessions yourself and i encourage you to do so thanks again daniel thank you so much michelle have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.